They should just be eardropping dogs. <laughs> there it is. There it is. So I, I knew still it have to, I still have to find it, but bombing bombing with butter is biblical. Like there hey, is what? a no, it is like it's not bombing. It, it's not that language, but like let's sort it out over food. Well, yeah. but like let's bring dogs and you know let's and butter. Everything's yeah. better and with butter. butter. And, dogs on um, butter. Dogs. Show and title. Butter. Show title. <laughs> everything's better with dogs and butter and. Welcome to episode 268 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brew pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. On today's episode, the Reverends Shannon Weston, Ogan Holder, and yours truly, Brian Burkoff, address and engage what's happening through a theological lens with a good brew in hand. And... Regardless of what that good brew is, you might be drinking it from a pub theology pint glass. Does do any of us have pint glasses? I have it. Yeah. Uh, huzzah! I don't. <laughs> but, yeah, you don't travel with yours. I don't. Tra- I don't travel with mine. And you can get this uh, by becoming a patron. Head over to Patreon.com/slash/PTLive, um, where you can get some more show content. But really, it's about supporting the show and enable us to the train on the tracks and all the good things that we do so patreon.com slash pt live and as always a big thank you to our current patrons today we will discuss halloween learning from dogs and god's unique love because somehow that relates to dogs i'm gonna guess (laughs) i thought it was halloween maybe i don't know yeah (laughs) God loves you sinners anyway. Is that where we're going? I don't know. Maybe. 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 <laughs> All right. Ogan, what are you drinking? Um, um, as I was sharing in the pre-show, and as you know, I last week or week before last, rather, I took a few days trip to Portugal. It was absolutely gorgeous. My first time hit up Lisbon and Setubal and some other cities. And we stopped up on some wine. Uh, while we were there. So I'm drinking a Portuguese wine. Um, It's a red. It's something from a a winery called Altano. I have no idea if it's going to be good or not. Um, But yes. And as I mentioned, also, I didn't just bring back wine and good memories. I also brought back COVID. So uh, I got, I was down and out with COVID all last week. And uh, so if I turn into like a hack and cough or whatever, yeah, you know why. No fun. Um, Welcome back. Thank you. Still, still climbing out of the COVID hole. And let us know how that is. I mean, it's a red, and it's from Portugal, so you got a lot going for you, right? There. Oh, there we go. I was airing it. Let's see. Mm. Ah, tastes just like the good cheap airport wine that it is. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, if he goes on some tirade about the tannins or something, like yeah, I'm yeah, gonna, yeah. I, 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 can... I quit. <laughs> no, no, no. This is yeah, yeah. We were we were this is where we bought the wine, mostly in the airport, right? Because you, you really lived it up, didn't you? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we, was... we 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 
the southern Portuguese oaken barrels really just expressing <laughs> the depth like, and uh, just fantastic. The other, the other bottle tasted much better. Yeah, missed missed the boat on this one. Hey, listen, it, it is what it is, right? It like, is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, Brian, what about you? I am drinking a melon ball double juicy IPA from Sagatuck Brewing, and. Uh, it's a nine percenter, so it's you know. Wow, juicy melons do come tend to come in pairs, so double makes sense. There you go, there you go. So it, I I had one the other day. It's quite tasty and juicy. Is it a melon, like a cantaloupe or honey? Like, is it a? Um, it looks like a watermelon, but I don't. Oh, remember watermelon. Tasting watermelony, or is that a it watermelon? Was... I guess it was the orange wrapper that was making me think of cantaloupe, but I see the green now. No, it tastes more cantaloupe. Oh, does it? Yeah, now that you say that, it does. Yeah. I have had a cantaloupe, like a, a melon flavored cantaloupe beer. It's, it's all right. It's a very mild, it's an interesting flavor in the beer. Here's the description. Yeah. Ain't no party like a melon ball party because <laughs> a melon ball party don't stop. This double juicy IPA will make you want to cannonball into the nearest pool where it's okay to drink the water. Grab grab your no. floaties and drink responsibly at 9%. There you go. All right. There's, well, a, whole, there's a whole lot wrong with that. There's so a, that, no, a lot. And no so mention of the kind of melon. I was going to say, so it tells us nothing. Absolutely tells us nothing. nothing. <laughs> tells us nothing. Shannon, what do you got? So I just got back from Atlanta um, and I've been traveling for three weeks straight and I have two more places to go this week before I stop. So um, in the spirit of Atlanta and my exhaustion, I am drinking a Coca-Cola classic. <laughs> nice. Um, because okay. if I drank a beer or put some nice rum or something in this, I would fall asleep immediately and, you know, not stop sleeping ever, I think. That's fair. So that's that's what I'm drinking today. There you go. All right. I, I had to stop drinking rum and Cokes because to your point, the rum would like, want to put me out but the caffeine want to keep me awake and right. i was in this perpetual state of awake tiredness and it wasn't good it wasn't good yeah the old tug of war chemical tug of war exactly yeah you mixed up your uppers and your downers rookie <laughs> <laughs> mistake on to today's topics so next week tuesday is halloween uh, the pre-Halloween party is Lions on Monday Night Football, uh, but leave be that as it may. Do you celebrate Halloween as an adult? And if so, what does that look like? Or what is a um, way you've seen friends celebrate Halloween that you're like, yeah, that I would do that if I could or, or I should do that? So when I first read this question, my immediate response was no. The only time as an adult I celebrated Halloween was, you know, when I would take my kid trick or treat it. That was it. And yeah. she stopped doing that, you know, years ago. But then Facebook, yeah, had to prove me wrong. And in my memories, up popped an image of me and an ex wearing Halloween masks. <laughs> I was like, oh, wait, babe, what what happened? Um, and it wasn't so much. Uh, it was an event. It was a, I think mm -hmm. it was a, a concert or something that, that, that invited you to dress up. 
And yeah. uh, then I remembered we, you know, we ordered these looking more like going to a masquerade ball type masks. Um, yeah. And so I was like, okay, I can think back to as a, as a grown ass man, they were like, you know, concerts or parties at Halloween. And I did the barest of efforts in terms of dressing up because this is not, I don't cosplay. I don't do that kind of deal. Um, but that, yeah, that was, that was kind of, that was it. So, and interesting. So I'm here in Morocco and the, the food slash grocery store slash, they don't have Uber Eats here. They have another uh, company called Glovo, which is big in a lot of European countries. Um, and, and their app is really good. And I op- popped open their app today and there's a whole section for Halloween. And I say, wait, wait what? We're, in Mar- <laughs> we're in Morocco, the Muslim country. What? Wait, do we, I didn't know Morocco celebrated uh, Halloween. My partner's like, yeah, no, we, we don't, but you know, you Americans can't help, but export all your bad Everything. shit. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So. There's enough of you all to ruin it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I I hit the button in the app, and there's there's like costumes and decorations and stuff. I'm like, who's buying this stuff? And basically, it's you know like expats and stuff, uh, you know who may have kids or families or or some companies in in an effort to be you know trendy, especially some uh, like tech startups, they will have Halloween parties and stuff mm. like that. But it shocked me to see that. So yeah, yeah, we're America's exporting, you know, Halloween now. Everything. Yeah. Everything. What about you, Shannon? Uh, your kids still trick or treat. I assume. My, yes. My kids do still trick or treat. Um, so, but they're too, are they big enough to go without? Yes. Me? They go without us. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel very privileged to have graduated to that state. Yes. Where I just say, bye. <laughs> um, Jared kind of hates Halloween. So really? we, yeah, we don't. Um, so I, I mean, part of it is he grew up in a space where like it was sinful, right? It was the devil's holiday. Hates Halloween and candy corn. I feel like we should pray for him. Oh. <laughs> I mean, listen, he eats Reese's peanut butter cups and like sweet tarts. Those are the only two pieces well, that's of all candy right. there you go. that he eats. Um, good. And in his honor, I will say that I do get a salty and a sweet, like I get candy and like little Halloween themed cheese balls or pretzels or something like that, because sure. there are people that don't like the sweet. Um, I thought, I thought you were describing y'all's mood at Halloween. He's salty. You're sweet. Um, <laughs> he's just salty. All, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> it's pretty much now until whenever the bulbs come up out of the ground that he's just in a mood. Um, Fair. My sister, I just got back from her house. She loves Halloween. Like it is her favorite holiday. So I'm going to answer this of like, I don't necessarily celebrate Halloween as an adult. I kind of celebrate fall. Like I like pumpkins and like cider and things like that. Um, but like it, it is the biggest decorative thing in her life. Um, she absolutely loves it. So there's that aspect where you decorate, but celebrating Halloween as an adult. Um, so what that looks like in our neighborhood, I will yes. say as well 
Um, so we live in one of those neighborhoods that you bring your kids, like kids are brought into the neighborhood to trick or treat in our neighborhood. And mm. every year the neighborhood has a Halloween contest of whoever's mm. decorated the best. Um, and like the adults do that <laughs> in our neighborhood. We don't, but the adults do. But one of the things that I do miss about trick-or-treating with the kids um, is that in our neighborhood, about once a street, someone has a, the kids go to the front yard to get the candy and hey, parents come to the garage. Bingo. Because there is a treat for you as well. And so that is like, one of the things that I want to take into my later adulthood when I don't have kids anymore. Um, so there, there's a man on our street. There's a couple on our street that his garage, like he has a fridge full of beer. And mm-hmm. so like you get it, he's, so that's one of our first stops. Cause he's just down the road. So like you stop and you get a beer and then you go around and our friend Kate, who lives on this other street and she gives out jello shots. And See, like, this is already sounding awesome. Right. Like what's not to come on, Derek. What's, what's not, not to, to like about this? this? And like the parent, like the adults, I shouldn't just say parents, like the adults in the like they're out with the kids, like they're out socializing, like people put their fire pits in their front yard. Yeah, they it's show like movies onto their house. Yeah, like it's a thing. And so like it's kind of fun to go out and walk around, but I'm married to Mr. Bah Humbug. So like, you know, I do it by myself. But um, we used to, when the kids were little, we used to have a wagon for when they got tired right. that was, that had a beer cooler in it, you know? Yes. Yeah. Nice. Yes. Or if it was really cold, like, cause here, you never know. It could be freezing. It could be hot. Um, we had travel mugs of cider and I would say uh, like we actually put um, apple moonshine in our cider it's delicious <laughs> and w- and did you heat it up the cider yeah, you heat it up. yeah it's like hot cider with you like um, mulled cider with like yeah, perfect perfect it's called apple spice moon moonshine the, see that'll jar. Fuel, it's delicious that'll fuel you through all the neighborhoods you know like yeah. well, let's keep going kids another lap yeah oh yeah when they're like let's go down the street i'm like go right ahead <laughs> Yes. Anyway. In one in one of our old neighborhoods, uh, we had some friends where um they've got you know bottles of wine open. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh yeah, stop in and hang out, and the kids will just kind of keep going and you know, we'll just drink some wine, hand out some candy, chat with other neighbors. Like I, I love that vibe. Like to me, that's just fun, you know, because yeah. as you said, the neighbors are out, there's a festive sensibility there's a there's a neighborhood camaraderie that you don't experience almost in any other time of year and for me I love that part of it Uh, yeah not like that because like you don't run around in that same way you know right right yeah so sadly now we live uh very rurally so like there's no you don't walk on the street there's no nobody stopping by to so we have to take the kids our historic when we first moved here we would take the kids to a neighborhood and or neighborhoods plural and they whatever do their thing um but i I miss the hangout andy i miss having tons of kids you know just seeing all the costumes like i love doing that um Mm -hmm. so clearly i need to find a neighborhood where i can do that yeah go find go find yourself a friend that has one of those neighborhoods there you go there you go 
Yeah. Or have more kids. No. Watch your mouth. No. <laughs> I think we're no. beyond that now. We are done. We're that's so the co- done. That, that's the COVID talking. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm we're sorry. way beyond that now. I was going to say, Mr. Um, why would you ever have more than one kid? Right. <laughs> Just one and done. One and done. <laughs> We're already done our part, I think. Uh, and then so. <laughs> so saw this on social media uh, and preface this with, I'm not a dog owner, uh, but this person said, dogs don't hate, they only love. And I think the implication was, why are people more like this? Why why do we have to hate? Why can't we just like learn to, to be present with people, love them? So what is it about animals in this regard? And what can we learn from them? Can well, we let's learn from them? Be really honest that we're talking about dogs because animals extends then to cats, and that's not real. Like cats <laughs> absolutely hate. Um it's just very real. And and to be clear. Some dogs can get pretty moody too. What I think, I think dogs are, cats come with their own fixed personalities. Nothing we can do about them. Dogs, I think, reflect what we give to them. So you love on a dog, that dog is going to love back on you. You treat that dog like crap. That Mm. dog is not going to be crazy about you. So, so I think dogs are more of a reflection of, of who is with them. Or I think of the aggressive dogs that I've known that were aggressive because they were protective. Right. Like, so it it actually, like in that sense, it was love, like to a dog to protect, but it got dangerous, right? Yes. And I actually think there's a little bit of a metaphor there for us, right? In a protective hate, you know, kind of thing. Um, I mean, I, I admit that like, you know, we have a dog and she drives us crazy, but like they are an embodiment of joy. Like they really are. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know about love actually. I, I just think it's joy. Like I do think jo- dogs just have this tendency to like exert joy. Um, I always joke that all the dogs are Enneagram sevens. Like they're just so excited to be somebody's around and And has anyone ever said that of cats that they are the embodiment of joy no never ever what about kittens i think kittens kittens might evoke joy yeah they're just cute and make us feel joy what are those like when you see a baby like your pheromones or whatever you know like it's they evoke that in you you get that warm fuzzy but i don't think they give a shit about you even as kittens they're plotting against us Exactly. They're like, when I get claws, I'm going to scratch your eyes out. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to learn to passively, aggressively hate you because, um, you know, I can, because I can, like cats have actually figured that out. Anyway, we're not talking about cats. And so, so I guess with dogs, you know, in thinking about, can we learn from them? So I, I, I agree with you about the, what we pour into them. I agree with, uh, you about, they embody joy and sort of like a, a lack of um, self-awareness, a lack of like falsity. There's not multiple layers, like kind of what you see is what you get, right? They wear it on their sleeve. Does that seem fair to say? Um, and, and I mean, that's been true and, for and the so dogs. What, that, yeah. Like they're like, and they show up as, as they are, right? They're present mm-hmm. as they are. Like there's not scheming. There's not multiple layers. There's not, 
whatever. And, and as humans, we're just way more complex than that. And is it possible to tap into, I guess, how dogs show up in the world? And should we even aspire to that? I don't, I wouldn't want to aspire to the lack of complexity. Like, I don't think that's healthy. Or, or self-awareness. Right. The lack of self-awareness. Um, (laughs) And I also like, I I mean, I was thinking like dogs still respond to shame though. Like Mm. that's really the only way to get a dog to stop being this right? Because it can't read the room. It doesn't have the intuition that like, hey, maybe now's, and yet, and yet I've had the opposite experience where like, I've been, Derek tells this story of um, his, when he saw his therapist in person, she has a service dog. And when he would get like overly emotional, and this dog has been trained to respond to whatever is going on, you know, with his owner. But when, when he would get like, really upset or talk about something emotionally, the dog would jump up on the couch and like curl up next to him. Mm -hmm. So I do think that they're able to absorb the emotion in the room, Yeah, but not always like, not always in a healthy way. Like, I do think that whatever their needs are, like they don't have needs for you. It's like the giving tree, right? And that's- Dogs are codependent. They are very codependent. (laughs) Like they just give and give and give. And I don't think that's a healthy thing we should aspire to. Fair, 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 fair. I mean, I I guess the thing that I, that I would say that could be good is sort of being honest about how we're feeling in a given situation. Right. I think humans are super good at, you know, layering on the, you know, masks and the present ourselves in a way that's not true to sort of what we're feeling and 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 how we yeah how we are how we are in that moment and and sometimes that can be good because it's not every emotion or you know needs to show up in every moment so yes there's a time to do that but we're so good at it that it can sometimes prevent healthy and honest relationships my dog is really good at asking for what she wants. There you go. <laughs> exactly. I want pets. No, not right now. No, I want pets. No, not right now. <laughs> I don't. I want pets. <laughs> like, right. I'm going to stare at you until you give me a treat because I want a treat. I'm going to look at the treats. I'm going to look at you and I'm going to do that until you give me a treat. <laughs> Fair. So maybe we could lean into that a little more. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yes. Go to that neighbor who's got the beer fridge. Just right. look at him twice. Like, look at the beer fridge. Look at him. <laughs> look at the beer fridge. Look at him. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. So um, Saints Francis and Claire of Assisi had, have noted that the, and believed that the love God has for each soul or each person is unique and, so to speak, made to order. And Richard Rohr reflects on this and says, this is why um, any, quote, saved person feels beloved, chosen, and even God's favorite. And Rohr says, many people in the Bible also knew and experienced this specialness. He says, divine intimacy is always and precisely particular and thus intimate. So the invitation is for us to wrestle with that, explore that. Do we believe that there's sort of a unique love 
that God or the divine has for each person? And, and why is it that that's often experience that we have? Is that because that's actually the case? Or is that human nature to assume that sort of speciality, like it's specially for me? The latter. I, I, I ain't gotta, I ain't gotta rustle. <laughs> I don't have to rustle with it for a long time. It's, it's the latter. <laughs> no, but you are special, Ogan. <laughs> Has no one ever I, said this to you? So, so, you know, my, my personal theology is that, you know, God, God doesn't love God. God is love. God, God mm-hmm. is the, 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 the energy, the connectedness of love. God, God doesn't create. God is creation. God is. So, so when I hear about, you know, every time I, I hear the God loves us, whether it's, you know, uniformly the same or has a unique love for us that that makes me cringe a little bit because for me that implies a little bit of separateness so god's love in me there's a subject object sort of like relationship here and i i no longer think of god in that way god's in us we're in god you know that whole panentheism perspective so there's a there's a there's no separateness so so if anything you know God's love is fully in us and we are fully subsumed in God's love. So, but there's no, there's no measuring of that in terms of like, it's, it's more uniquely me or less uniquely me or, you know, but I think, I think the feeling that what I would say is that when one comes into an awareness of that depth of love, it is, overwhelming or it can be overwhelming because you're never getting that from another human being right it so so because it is it is it is that uh an, an overwhelm to our senses to our way of being to our whole bodies it feels unique because it's not something we've ever experienced before and i think when we feel something unique it's just a short hop to be oh this was meant for me because it is so unique right. as opposed to like, you know, the paradox is that, yeah, each of us is a unique individuation of all that is, and we're all the same. So yeah, it's a, it's, it's a both end, but that's, that's where I go with that. But even yeah. in, in following that understanding of God, Ogan, I think that there's a uniqueness to each person right? Like we're not all the same. And so the manifestation of that love in us is different or unique or can feel special in that way. You know, like, I, I, I think that it's not like all things, right. I think that, um, in some ways it's not a separate kind of, it's just a different way of expressing it. Um, yes, it it can feel, it can feel special, but that's why I said to Brian, it's a ladder. It can feel special. I think because we, we decide it is, but it's, it's, it really isn't. Cause, cause it's not, it's not, uh, got, it's not quantifiable. And, and for me, when I hear things like, you know, a favorite made to order, um, an intimate, there's an element of quantifiability, if that's a word there, because then you can compare it to this was the, this other thing is, 
less of a favorite. This other thing is less intimate, so we can quantify. Right. It's sort of like, right. you know, you have, as a parent, uh, yeah. for Shannon and I with multiple kids, it's like, well, yeah, I love each of my kids uniquely, but equally, but then you extrapolate to God and all human beings who ever existed and will exist, like, it sort of blows the mind uh, to try to think of that, but I don't disagree, Ogan, with this sort of, well, let's pause on the God as a separate object mm -hmm. and we're separate subjects. Let's think about that more carefully. And if we are each um, an embodiment of the love that exists in the universe, you know, we experience it perhaps uniquely to our person because I show up in the world as me, but also I'm a part of the greater whole and in a way that's kind of the same, you know? It's funny because even when I read something like, you know, one, when when people, I'm always weary, leery of people that like claim to be God's favorite or <laughs> claim mm. to, you know, know God. But because when I think of as like a person God favors, biblically especially, right? And what I believe about God is like, that's not the person with the divine connection. Like that's, the the lowly person right this is the beatitudes talking this is the you know yeah, yeah, yeah. um even mary's you know the the magnificat like this is exactly what you know that she is favored but that is not um an easy or good or right like she's hashtag blessed and highly favored <laughs> she she is but what that looks like in the world isn't so hashtag blessed and highly favored. <laughs> right, right. No doubt, no doubt. Or, or, and so, yeah. Well, what about like David, right? That David was, um, why am I David blanking? was God's chosen, right? Yeah, like, right. And wasn't there like a, a a dearly beloved or like a, I'm blanking on the phrase. But he, but God didn't want a king. Over and over and over again, God didn't right. want a king. Right. Right. And so I think there is some element there of so then we get these horrible kings and then David comes along, who's this runt of the litter, not first son, not right. So even that follows kind of that trajectory of um, this this person that the world very much says is nobody that, you know, gets lifted up, if you will. Um, so apparently David means beloved in Hebrew. And here's the phrase I was thinking of, a man after God's own heart, which is different than what we're talking about here. Well, you know, we in our house have healthy competition over the favorite child. We <laughs> um, regularly like to, um, for me, you win the healthy, you win the favorite child when um, you like throw shade on some other child that is really well done. Like that's how you win it for me. Oh, wow. Um, I thought you were going to say when you do your homework, put your dishes away. Oh, no, no, no. Sophia is usually the favorite child because she she can just throw it out. And I'm like, yes, like. <laughs> it is like friggin', it is like friggin' Hunger Games over there. What's happening? Oh, no. Don't get me wrong. It I is well-deserved shade, right? Like it is well-deserved well shade. Um, oh my gosh. It's, the one it's that once again, throw your sibling <laughs> under the bus <laughs> the bus at the Weston house. To get, to get mom's, uh, mom's praise. Um, no, for Derek, it's usually when you've done something for him, like, you know, he's lost his something and can't find it and you found it. And he's like, you're my favorite, you know, anyway, it becomes a joke, but I, I, I do think there's, I, I, I don't want to lose the idea of 
feeling special or being special. And what I also don't want to lose is Ogan, like kind of what you're talking about also leads to sometimes where I experience that specialness is with another person, right? And yeah. so like that person makes me feel special and, and, or I feel special around this person or in our relationship. Um, I, I said this about a friend the other day, I saw a friend that I, I've known for 20 years and we see each other maybe once, twice a year. And when I see her, I just feel like my soul gets a hug, like just being around her right? Gives me that, like, I feel like there's just such an intimate connection with this person. Um, and like, I think that's the God in her, you know, and the God in me, like having this relationship. Um, the God or the dog who just shows up fully present, licks you. She is definitely not an Enneagram seven. So I will not give you that. Um, fair. But yeah, you know, and then, and then, so for me, like, I think a lot of this specialness does come through another person, to be honest, rather than right, right. like, you know, like basking in the glow of, of the relationship with, with other people or, you know, those kind of things. I, I don't know. So I just throw that out there too. And, and, and side note, even if you do feel like you are especially favored by God or you're God's favorite, keep that shit to yourself because. Yeah. Nobody needs to hear that. <laughs> A, nobody needs to hear that. But B, also, you keep saying it, you're going to start believing it to an unhealthy point. And then Ooh. that's 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 when things start to go off the rails, right? That's like when you start believing. Yeah. But then you also start believing you're hearing some special commandments, invitations, or, or directives from God. And yeah, you know that, that never... Yeah, exactly. That never ends well. So well, just keep it to or, yourself. You know, it's kind of one of those things where like if I'm constantly the smartest person in the room issue, then like I gotta find new rooms. Yeah. Like yeah, it may exactly. not be like I may not actually be the problem. You know, it may not be like who are you that you think you're so smart? It may just be like I'm in the wrong rooms. Like yes. you know, so that may be it too. So sometimes God lo- God's love shows up as well, here's the door. And right. You, you exactly. actually need the door. <laughs> Please walk out. <laughs> in. All right. So a, uh, a keeping on the Richard Rohr theme, Richard Rohr says power without love is mere brutality. So what are ways that we see this in our world? Power without love showing up as brutality. Well, it was, uh, I, I made an allusion to um, uh, in a pre-show around perhaps um, relocating to Portugal because, uh, you know, we were talking about the very latest uh, mass shooting in, in Maine, Lewiston. And, you know, I'm, I'm dividing my time between Barbados, the U.S., and and currently Morocco, like Sumi, Portugal, but that, and I've mentioned this on the show before, when I'm in these other places, I don't feel that like existential, constant existential dread and angst of, is this the day that I become a victim of some random shooting or some random, you know, 
racist fuel hate crime. Like I don't, I don't feel that existential dread in in other in other places. Um, so, but then I made the joke like, sure, let me go to Portugal. It was you know the the ancestral home of well, one of my colonizers. But sure, let's let's go right. there. But 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 that's how we've uh, really seen that power without love demonstrated historically people going into other people's places and lands and deciding i need to take this from you i want to occupy i want to i want to colonize and 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 even though we are in 2023 and believe we become more civilized humans we don't we don't we don't necessarily do it by force uh you know unless you're russian ukraine and um, as we are about to see uh, Israel and Palestine, um, you know, we, but, but we do it in, in other ways. There's this economic colonialization now. There's all different types of, we are going to exert our power over you and it becomes brutal for the people under those, you know, regimes. And, and we're seeing that now. We just... We, I was reading this things yesterday about how Israel is calling for the resignation of the UN Secretary General simply because he said, like, the, the violence that that Hamas committed, while it is horrible and atrocious, didn't happen in a vacuum. Right. Like, no. it, it, you know, and they're like saying that means you agree with what Hamas said, and like nobody's saying that, dude. But no. we gotta we gotta take the big picture into 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 account, um, and 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 that's that's where that power without love brutality is really like like showing up for me right right now. Um, the it's it's the 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 occupation colonialization the suppression of of equity all, all those things without without love as the um the limiter you know the thing that stops trucks from moving driving fast that's called a limiter right i think it's called a limiter if, you know Agave. loves the what'd you say brian sometimes it's called a governor to keep the governor that's what governor. yeah that's what i mean so you know love is like a governor love is like a a uh, how, here, here's how you use power for good. Um, otherwise, yeah, it just goes, it just goes off the rails. And we humans, this is all we've ever done with each other. And I'm reading, I'm finally wrapping up. Uh, I've been reading Octavia Butler's uh, one of her trilogies, you know, and and it's like I forget which what it's called. Lilith's Brood is how it's been repackaged, but they these aliens in the future have taken over after, you know, humans have literally almost destroyed themselves with a war and, and the alien showed up, they basically put all the humans in deep freeze, allowed the earth to kind of like, you know, replenish itself because for these aliens, time, time is a different thing. So they, they live for hundreds and thousands of years anyway. So they bring the humans out of deep freeze and are slowly awaken them and saying to them, here's how you now can live in peace and harmony with each other with our help. And the humans are like, uh-uh, no, we don't want that. We want to go back to being our human killing, raping, brutality self. So then the aliens finally said, all right, you know what? Y'all are not fucking Earth. 
up again a second time. So if you all want to just be by yourselves, we're going to put you on Mars. <laughs> we're going to, those of you who don't want our help, you can go start your own Earth colony on Mars, your own human colony, and we know how that's going to end. We're telling you how it's right. going to end, but if you're determined you want to do it and be all human with your human self, go ahead and do it. You're not going to last long. And, there's, and in, in her writing, there are humans opting to do that because they want to be in control and they want to create hierarchies and exert power. And I'm reading the book and going, yeah, that feels about right. It's, it's what we do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I struggle and I understand, I mean, I've read enough of Richard Rohr and, you know, he's uh, comes from this place in Catholicism that is like, I, I understand his use of love. I worry about sometimes, especially in a phrase like this, that we overuse the word love mm-hmm. and that we kind of need to dissect that and understand this in context, right? Um, because it, I just I just name that as a nuance and as a, because on one hand, I go to this place of like, if God is love and all things are of God, you know, like there's this, um, Yes, that makes sense that love then needs to be paired with power. But can we can we kind of dissect that word love and like what are we talking about here and how are we discussing that um in 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 a different way? Like I would I would love to un I'll just use the word unpack. I would love to unpack it more. Um I think it obviously this is one sentence out of paragraphs or chapters or books, even, right? That he's talking about this subject. But I just think it needs to be clarified a little, if that makes sense. Right. And, 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 and yes, what else could substitute for that word love? I think you're right. Like, it, I mean, it, I think it sounds empathy, nice. Compassion. Right. Right. Curiosity, even like there's so many different ways to go. Yes. With a, you know, a statement like that, like what, what are, I think this is actually some of what we're struggling with in the world right now of like, what are the positive elements of power, right? What, what are the attributes that need to be paired with um, power or, or strength or leadership or whatever the language is, the context that we're talking about? I don't know that we often, I think we talk around it a lot, but we don't really dig into those elements enough. Well, wisdom is one of those. Wisdom. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, power with a, with a a general human uh, sensibility of, of, yeah, awareness of empathy, of picking up on social cues, you know, like, because it seems like when power goes off the rails it's because we are lacking the ability to empathize to see the bigger picture there's maybe narcissism in there Mm -hmm. um maybe we're lacking you know certain um like if you think of someone who can go on a killing rampage they're missing something right they have access to power and then they're missing some other things that then lead to brutality uh, which is what he's talking about and so love is a sort of a shorthand maybe way of as we've said, many other things could fill that slot. Of which right, love like is anything of what we just said also fits into love. Like I'm not, I'm Correct. not saying he's wrong in any way. 
Um, I, you know, but again, I'm going to go back to the dog for a second as much as we've been joking about that, but like, you know, (laughs) the the joke of the Liam Neeson, like I have a special set of skills. Like you can argue that was done out of love like that, like, (laughs) right. So there, there's this like element here of like, we need to be careful of what we're talking about. Right. Because even if you're whatever, anyway, and I don't mean to be so like, oh God, this is a slippery slope. Don't go down this, Shannon. But I'm just, you know, I, I, I'm learning, you know, not I'm learning, but I have learned that like things are nuanced and, you know, power is important. It, it like, we all need to feel a certain level of control and power over our ourselves and our lives. And we need to be empowered in certain ways. So how do we talk about the positive elements of that, um, that, right. that keep this going, you know? Right. And so I want to tie a couple of things together. We, you know, um, we've mentioned the situation in the Middle East with the Israelis and the Palestinians. We talked about dogs being able to love, but sometimes that's a defensive love right? right like it's like a, a guarding mentality or i'm protective of my owners of this property etc and so i guess a question is and we might look at israel's response to hamas as out of a love for their own people of a fierce protective love right and the question is when uh when does that love that defensive love that protective love become something like brutality, because it's not thinking about the cost of those who are not, quote, us, that we are inflicting, you know, using our power against and harming so that they don't do more harm to us. Like, I I really wrestle with that. And, and for me, I look at what is the power balance here? Mm -hmm. And the power balance is the Israelis are not comparable to the Palestinians in terms of power, they have way more resources, way more money, way more weapons, more land, more everything doesn't mean there's culpability only on one side. But if there is a deep power imbalance, I think those with the most power are the most responsible. And not not only that, but to go back to the dog metaphor, you know, the- (laughs) Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? This is is the wisdom of Brian. The you know, we talk about that dog and that protective love. Yeah. But there's a difference between a protective love when, yes, your owner's being attacked and then a preemptive protection whereby somebody's just walking down the street and the dog decides, I'm going to jump this fence and take him out. And that person ain't done nothing. Right. Right. So when you look at the history of that area, even to this day, there's been that systematic, we're going to, we're going to fence off the Gaza Strip, open air prison is the term that's been used, right? And we're going to just keep on building settlements in the West Bank and, 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 um, and claiming that territory, which many world situations have noted is illegal. So it's like, it's like the dog, it's like the big dog jumping the fence and saying, hey, preemptively protected my owner right Right. and it's just some innocent kid walking down the street right yeah and pissing in all the yards because i want them to be my yard too or something right yeah right right so 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 they so back to that power without 
you know, love, without wisdom, without discernment, without, without compassion, without, without all the things, then you, you can't, I guess you could use air quotes, love as your rationale, but that's a love that is um, um, distorted into possession. That's a love that's obsessiveness um, into occupation. Um, so, 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 so you can, you can, to, to Shannon's point about getting clear, but when we say love, what we mean, lo- love can, love can have that really dark definition as, mm-hmm. as well. So. Yeah. yeah. And I think to me, the, the clear lack of empathy, the, the like tribalism to the extreme, the, the othering, right. the, we are us and you are, and they are them. And these are not the same and they're not equal. There was a quote I read by the Israeli defense minister who said, we are dealing with human animals and we will act accordingly. And and one of the things we, we always have to remember to point out is that we that line between these are governments and the people is very messy and blurry. So you yeah. have yes. Israelis who are like, yes you know, get rid of the animals and you have Israelis who are like, no, this is not who we are. Right. Um, you know, 100%. so you have your, you have your anti-Zionist Jews and you have your Palestinians who are like, you know, Israel is a, is the evil monster. And you have your Palestinians who are also like, we don't condone what Hamas just did. So it becomes, Correct. it's, it's yeah. this just big old well, bucket of nuance. And and that's where like I kind of want to star this and give a disclaimer of like obviously, but I feel that we live in a world where it still needs to be said, right? Like obviously, none of us are advocating for anti-Semitism in any way. Or no. and and also being able to name that like being you I can still like say, yeah, I still favor an Israeli state and this is not okay, right? Um, And they're still trying to figure it out. Um, You know, the, if you look at the history of, you know, the Jewish people, like I, I still struggle with like, yeah, I think they do need to be protected in their own state. I think that is wise. I agree. And like, there were people that like lived there in this time in between that, yeah, maybe occupied and maybe took over, but like the people that got moved out weren't those. And and I struggle with that. And like, what do you do with that? And what is justice and fairness? And, and I don't have an answer. Obviously nobody has an answer because this is a real, right. <laughs> like this is this and, is the Middle East, right? Like, and the definition funny. of clusterfuck. Right. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and it's funny you say in, in the in-between because we also have to remember uh, you know, the Hebrews weren't the original occupiers of that land, right? right? right. No doubt. <laughs> and no so doubt. that's and like also the, what do you do with all of this, you know? Exactly. But but I say that to say, I actually still struggle with, this is an area that I do not feel competent talking about. Like, I don't feel that I necessarily have enough knowledge and yet it's still important to engage in the discussion and ask questions and get curious because I think 
well, I'll say for my 43 years, this has been a topic of like the Gaza Strip has been a topic of discussion and has been on the brink of war about this since right. I existed, right. you know, and since before I existed. And before. Yeah. And yeah. so. And, and what's important to remember, so to your point, the remember the Oslo Accords, right? When, you know, mm-hmm. slick, willy, slick Willy President Clinton was our U.S. president. And we had, you know, Yasser Arafat uh, from from Palestinian Liberation Organization, and we had uh, was it Yitzhak Rabin, who's the, uh, the I think Prime it was Minister Netanyahu of Israel ninety eight with Yasser. No, 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 no. We, we're talking. No, it was it was Rabin because shortly after those Oslo Accords, where they agreed, like within five years, they would work towards this two state solution. He was assassinated. The Israeli. Yeah. Prime yeah, yeah, yeah. I got by you. a right wing Israeli, like an extreme. Right. So, so, right. so, and his, then Netanyahu you know, in the late nineties became prime minister. Right, and yes. he's still there twenty five years later. He's, he's still there. Thing. I was, I was in Israel a month before he was assassinated. Like I wow. and wow, um, I, because it's actually was interesting because like after that there was a you couldn't travel for a long yeah. time, and I happened to be there the month before. Um, that was my only my only trip to Israel when I was 19. And and and, you know, we were meeting with government like it was a it was not for a religious studies class. Right. So we were re- it was more of a political kind of thing because I was in college um, studying religious studies. But but trying to understand this very conversation right um, at the time. And I still don't have like it's just so vastly complicated um, and I, I and I want to push back on that a little bit because I think that 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 narrative of this is so complicated or conversely so nuanced that that we can't really understand what's happening. I really think that's in in part a, a narrative being forced upon us because if you look historically at what's happened in the area, it's kind of pretty clear. Um, what what's been happening over the last seven decades in terms of of Israeli power again yeah. without love leading to to brutality and and I give the example of um, my uh, uh, a past girlfriend her mom was Palestinian and her parents or her grandparents I think was um, they were. The reason her mom immigrated to the U.S. was because her parents were kids when Israeli, you know, forces announced, you know, we're going to we're going to be bombing in the area. So clear out. Right. And they did. And then when they came back a couple of weeks later, there were Israeli families living in their homes, living in their house. Yeah. Right. 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 That's I mean, that was the thing that happened all the time. And and I want to and let me like. I don't have like I'm speaking for me like I don't have right. a grasp on it. I I agree that there's this narrative that like there is such complexity that we can never understand. I don't think we've done a good and I don't think we've done a good job to try to understand. I do think here in the United States we've had such a pro-Israel stance that we don't hear the complexity in that way. We do hear it's yeah. complex. Don't worry about it. We've got, you know, I think that's the United States narrative. Yes. And the only politically correct response in this country on either party is we support Israel. And to me, that's just that's 
just too black and white. It's it and does... again, it goes back to like what what does what is that? What does that mean to you? To yeah. like again, I can support that there needs to be some sort of protective state and. Yes, exactly. Hey, maybe exactly. this non-representational government isn't the best way to go. I right. don't know. Let's just ask that question. You know, yep. maybe doing this territory thing, maybe somebody does like the UN needs to really big brother this thing, step in and say, okay, here's the deal. You can't do this, you know, because yeah. we've it because we have to Ogan's point, kind of left it in this, we've left it too long, right? Like the the kids can't fight it out on their own safely anymore. Um, yeah, it's time to step in. You know. Right. Yeah. Back in uh, 2007, I was on a biblical study tour, and we were in Bethlehem, and they had just discovered Herod's tomb, and mm -hmm. so we were exploring that with our group of you know 20 Americans or whatever, and then we noticed these armed guys walking around with the, with someone and we turn around and it's freaking Benjamin Netanyahu. Yeah. Like right here to see, see this site two. while we're there. So right. I was standing like 10 feet from him and it was just like surreal. And it's also surreal that almost, you know, 20 years later, not quite, but 15 years later, he's, he's still, still at the center of it. It's wild. Yeah. So I think we need a universal global policy of term limits. That's right. what I'm hearing. <laughs> right. And yet no like- no matter this, what position, political or corporate, term limits. And but and this, he was with Bill Clinton and Yasser right. Arafat at the Camp David efforts in 98. Yep. It was at Yahoo. Yeah. No, it's wow. it's it's and yet like what you know, where where is the argument for stability? Is that has that actually kept this from on the fringe for a while or is what needed is new leadership and to get this conversation going in a different direction, you know, like right. it's hard to know. Um, right. I think, and again, like going back to the U S rhetoric of like stability is more is better than not, you know? And it's like, I, I don't know. Sometimes change in leadership is exactly what gets the conversation moving forward. Um, <clears throat> Vladimir, I think the important thing is that we have nearly <laughs> solved it. Right. I think that's what's important is that clearly this discussion has shown you anything. It's that this this conversation is easy. Can we what, can we get this can we get this blasted from all the all the museums and the and the right. speakers yeah. everywhere in the stuff whole region and please let's not I, peace I, in two and weeks. It, <laughs> and again, I go back to me on this, right? Of mm. I you know uh, like oh good I think your point is such a good one which is why this is the third time I'm reiterating it but like Mark 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 the state right. in time folks <laughs> it's the first and only time that will happen no but like mm. I, I I mean we have bought into the rhetoric that it's complicated and that we shouldn't try to understand and or that trying to understand means that we're anti-Semitic right. Or that trying to understand means if we're trying to see, you know, what the other part of this is. Um, I think we have bought way too into that rhetoric. But I also, I also like for my personal, like kind of stopped trying to figure it out because it just was, it's been going on for so long in my lifetime that I'm like, I, I just don't know if I can keep up, you know. And there's that sense of helplessness that we've all felt in the exactly. last few days 
you know, every every day we turn on and there's another few hundred Palestinians dead. Dead. Right. Yep. You know, and and they haven't even done the freaking ground assault yet. <laughs> well, so, and to your to the point of like you know, point of like Israel having all the tools. Right. This this like yeah. uh, that's the other hand is like when I when I look at the news about it, it is one sided. And that's yeah. hard. I mean, it just is, you know, it's so. And, then, and I didn't get pissed off really until I see things like, well, what did Hamas think would happen when they poked the bear? And I'm like, mm. so, so, so you're, and again, this is not condoning the, the killing of anyone. And at the same time, back to that whole, it didn't happen in a vacuum. And, right. and, and to quote right. Martin Luther King Jr., who was the face of nonviolent resistance in the U.S., what did he say about riots, right? The yeah. voice, the, the, the act, the, what is it? Violent riots are the cries of the unheard. There comes yeah. a point when, when you're not, when you're oppressed and, and you're you have not no other being choice. seen and heard, you, you got no other choice. Right. And to acknowledge that is not to be condoning the the, the violence and the and the uh, killing uh, of people and I, 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 exactly well, we shouldn't blame the oppressed for their oppression <laughs> at minimum <laughs> at minimum at minimum at minimum right now, and, and right yeah and I think I'll just close with a real problem is that uh, we have all the love but no power so we need so. more dogs. They should just be ear dropping dogs. <laughs> there it is. There it is. So I, I knew still it have to, I still have to find it, but bombing bombing with butter is biblical. Like there it is was. a no, it is like it's not bombing. It's it's not that language, but like there is language in the in the Hebrew scriptures that is like, let us not go and invade them with weapons. Let us go and invade them with food and bring them what they need and blah 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 blah. So like exactly. It, it is biblical. I, 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 I mean, everything. Again. Let's sort it out over food. Well, yeah. but like, let's bring dogs and, you know, let's. And butter. Everything's yeah. better and with butter. butter. And, dogs uh, and butter. Dogs Show and title. Butter. Show title. Because <laughs> everything's better with dogs and butter. And, uh, oh you know, God. everybody can put a little on their hand and they can all just go around and, you know, share the love. Wow. Well, thank you, friends, for tuning into Pub Theology Live. You can show your love for the show by becoming a supporter on Patreon. We don't know what kind of love that is, but right here, it's financial love. Um, get access to pre and post show banter and more. Visit patreon.com slash Live to get started. And a big thank you to our current patrons. Listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Our top cities this week are Chicago, Illinois. San Juan, Puerto Rico, and Brooklyn, New York. Those are all big cities that I know. No weird town in Michigan that I can't pronounce. Oh, easy. <laughs> well, actually, the town may not be weird, but the word is weird, so that's all. <laughs> I get you. You can watch the video for these conversations on Facebook Live. If you'd like to start a pub theology gathering in your town, find support and resources at pubtheology.com. So until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing.
kind of want to point out that like our most normal cities are the week that we do the dress kitchen. The week that we did the dress kitchen. Fair. Fair. They love it in Puerto Rico. They sure do. <laughs> we have friends in Puerto Rico. <laughs>